We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Man, there is a powerful, powerful, powerful move of God's Spirit in this place this morning. The thing about it is, is that powerful, powerful move of God's Spirit's been in us all this time. Jesse and I were just talking. A lot of people, you know, we're going to call down God's power, going to call down God's Spirit. God's power and Spirit's not calling down from anywhere. The the Holy Ghost, Jesus said, I I am with you now, but I shall be in you. I'm with you, but I shall be in you. The Spirit of God's in us. I love the story. I think Jesse knows my little click deals. The story of Peter and John. They said, listen, they looked on the lame man. Look at us. We don't have any silver and gold, but what we do have, what do they have? Man, that Holy Ghost inside of them. He was too weak to walk, but the power in them, when they reached in and grabbed his hand, caused that man not just to walk. He leaped and praised and ran. He, he wasn't able to go in the temple because he was, he was an invalid. Invalids could not go in the temple. They were considered unclean. But he was able to go in the temple for the first time. Can you imagine that? Your first time to get to go to church because God just healed you. That's pretty awesome. Okay, I'm getting way out of... And I'm going to blame it on you. We started a series a month or so ago called It's Time to Step Up. And so we started the second lesson last week, and we didn't get very far. So we're going to try to continue with that lesson and finish that lesson today. Uh, Jesus said in John 7, 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, we know that at that time the, Old, the New Testament did not even exist. So he was speaking of Old Testament Scripture. As the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which them that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. He was not yet esteemed glorious. Uh, so that's what we're talking about. Uh, and this, it's time to step up. We're going to talk about more about the Holy Ghost. Now, in today's uh, Christian circles, there's a lot of talk about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, same thing. Uh, but the talk, there's a big variation of the talk. You know, there are some that say, well, the Holy Ghost was, th- they needed it then because it was, it was a power they needed, but we're intelligent people now. We don't need that. There, you know, yeah, that's, that's what I was told in my upbringing. You're too intelligent for that now. You don't, yeah, that's what I said. They needed the Spirit then to give them gauge and direct them. Once the Word came, there was no need for the Spirit. Have you heard that one? Okay. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Verse 14, John 1. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So if Jesus is the Word and Jesus said this, I'm with you now, but I shall be in you, it's very important that we understand what the, the Holy Ghost is not just the power of God in us, it's the Word in us. It's the Word in us. You know, well, I don't read my Bible enough. Well, keep reading. Keep studying. Keep all that. But you know, listen, those, the words in this Bible are the reflections of who the Word is. So, okay, I'm getting off again. So what we're talking about is what the whole, you know, the, the, uh, we can't, we would spend years talking about the purpose of the Holy Ghost. So I've got ten points here. Uh, to talk about the purpose of the Holy Ghost in, to, in today's church. Uh, we know that John 14 tells us that the Holy Ghost, which is the Comforter, 
the comforter. So the Holy Ghost is a comforter, teaches us uh, all things. So the Holy Ghost is not just a comforter, it teaches us. The Holy Ghost is a reminder to bring into memory those things that Jesus taught. So when you're, when you're in your Word, when you're studying your Word, when you're listening to Sunday school teachers or preachers, all the Word that comes in you, there's a point in time in your life when that Word needs to come back out. Don't harbor the Word. Don't eat the Word. Don't consume the Word and hold it in for yourself because it's not meant for that. It's meant to come out. And how does it come out? The Holy Ghost in us recalls the Word at the proper time and point in the position we're in. Uh, you know, I've been in places, and probably so have you, uh, where, you know, you're talking to someone, and then the Word just came out. That's the Holy Ghost. Y'all notice I say Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit, right, rather than Holy Spirit, right? There's a connotation to it, and I'm not going to get into it. But, but one of them is the... One of them is the Holy Spirit, when you look it up, and it's another whole Bible study, you, you see in essence the authority, Holy Ghost is the power. And so you'll see times that it says Holy Spirit in the Bible, Holy Ghost, same thing, but one is talking about authority in that point, another that's talking about power. That's why when, right before Jesus left, he said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He was talking dunamis, the Greek word, the power, the all, so, Jesse, we also know John chapter 16, he said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go away. If I go not away, the Comforter will come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you, and he will reprove, that's admonish, and convince the world of sin and righteousness. So another point, uh, reason the Holy Ghost is here is to actually give wise counsel. When you look at the, the word there, reprove, it's actually a lawyer term. And so what it is is that what does an attorney do for you if you go to court? Let's see who's been to court. I almost got you there, didn't I? Represent you, right? The, the, the lawyer knows exactly what to speak and how to speak it in the court of law. He tells you to keep your mouth shut for one reason. You have no clue. You'll say something that will sink your case. You're going to jail or you're paying the fine or whatever. Let the lawyer talk. That's what the Holy Ghost does. Let God's Spirit. The Bible tells us that when we pray, there are times when we know not what we ought to pray, but the Spirit maketh intercession. In other words, you really don't know what to say, and what God is saying is, listen, let my Spirit pray because my Spirit is, is interceding. Why, why is that important? Well, we know on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit fell, that there were people from Jews from all over the globe, the known globe at that time, from different countries, and they heard these people, Galileans, speaking in their language, which was called tongues, little tongues or languages, speaking their language, praising and worshiping and talking about the good things of God. And so not only did they know the languages, the devil knows the languages. But when you read in 1 Corinthians where we let the Spirit speak intercession for us, that's a God language the devil doesn't know. And so when the Holy Ghost is pouring out of you, so that's another purpose of the Holy Ghost, it totally befuddles the devil. He has no clue what you're talking about. Yeah. Did I make that word up? Okay. I'm good at making words up. Just don't get out your dictionary. So the Holy Ghost then dwells in believers. Number three, the Holy Ghost dwells in believers. Can I say it this way? Without the Holy Ghost, you're not a believer. Without the Holy Ghost, you're not a believer. 
What did Paul say in Acts 19? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, well, we never heard of a Holy Ghost. He said, hold on a second. How then were you baptized? They said, we were baptized into John's baptism, the baptism of repentance. So they were followers of John the Baptist, not believers in Jesus Christ. Don't start something, Jesse, unless you intend to finish it. Mm-hmm. Right. And with fire. Yeah. Right. They had no clue. So, yeah. So, so what did he do? How you baptized? Well, he rebaptized them. When he rebaptized them after that, he laid hands on them. They received the Holy Ghost. So understand, the Holy Ghost is, is a preeminent thing in our life as Christians. And again, I know in an apostolic church, this is like saying one plus one equals two. That's in our type of church because we believe in this. But listen, the known Christian world as we know it, most don't believe it like it says it. Not how we believe it. See, you almost thought I was going to say that, didn't you? They don't believe like we believe. Well, it's, it's okay. They don't have to. They have to believe like the Word says. People don't have to believe like you, by the way. They have to believe by the Word. Don't, yeah, don't get trapped in that because, man, they'll, you, you tell that to somebody and watch what they do. They'll take you places you've never been in Scripture. <laughs> yeah. They will. Because it's not, we, be, we believe it and it's to our, uh, to our sal- ultimate salvation that we believe it. But understand this, it's what the Word says. And so the Word tells us that uh, the Holy Ghost is there to dwell in us. The Holy, we don't call down the power of God. We don't call down the power of healing. We don't call down the, we don't call any of those. All of that, healing dwells in God's people, not outside of the realm of God's people. There's not a, there's not a glass for healing over here, and we go, God, send healing to somebody, and he pours out of the heat. That's not biblical. There's not a vial over here that God sent blessing to this, and he pours out the vial. The Bible says that all those things are in the Holy Ghost, God's power, that dwell in us. Another reason, Jesse and I were talking. You imagine this. Jesus tells 70 guys, y'all go out two by two, and he said, y'all go cast out devils, you go heal the sick, and you go raise the dead. Now, he didn't tell them any other thing but to go do that. These people did not have the Holy Ghost. It had not yet been given. Given We read it in John 7 because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And so here they go out, not having the power of the Holy Ghost, Jesse, and yet they were casting out devils. They were healing the sick. And why were they do, how were they doing that? What? They were doing it for, for one reason and one reason only. Jesus gave them the authority. So you understand what the Holy Ghost is. It's the power of God. By the authority of God. Now, since the Holy Ghost didn't exist then, it was by the power of the name of Jesus. And so, now when we're baptized, what, what does the Scripture say? Not, not what Pastor Don says, not what this church says. Now, what does the Scripture say? What, what do we do when we baptize somebody? We baptize them in the name of... Why do we do that? Because that, we like that one? And boy, I like that. I saw that. I like that. Yeah, that sounds good. And it's easier than repeating, you know, the titles, Father, Son. It's easier. No, 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 no. There's an authority that comes with the name of Jesus. 
that they had the disciples that when they received the Holy Ghost and were baptized on the day of Pentecost, now they're walking the authority because they're baptized in His name, and they're walking in the power because they've received His Spirit. So that's the purpose of the infilling. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Know you not that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwell in you? Paul's writing to the church. Again, when you look at Romans, you look at Corinthians, you look at all these letters, these are epistles, letters written to the church. He's not telling them how to be saved. He's telling them how to maintain a walk with God to the ultimate end of salvation. And so in Corinthians, as he's writing to the church, he said, don't you understand? You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 12, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. You know, what, what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit. You can't know anything about God unless the Spirit reveals it. Well, I didn't know God, and God came to me, and I became, yeah, the Spirit revealed it. No man cometh to God except the Spirit draw him, the Scripture says. Understand, in your life, the Holy Ghost was working in your life before you ever came to God, revealing God to you, so that when you came to God and, and, and you were baptized and you received the Holy Ghost, now that same Spirit that's was outside is now inside and now the power is working is that okay i'm gonna get off again man this is so hard to stay with now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of god that we might know the things uh, that are freely given to us of god the holy ghost dwells in you so that you might know the things god wants to give you you know that's a mystery that's what you know that's part of some of the deals going on today it's just a mystery it's a mysterion. It's something nobody knows. No, it's, you know, the Bible tells us that these mysteries have all been unveiled in this last day by His Son. It's all been revealed. Since the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God, the thoughts of God are revealed to us by the Spirit. Since the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God, since the Holy Ghost is the power of God, since the Holy Ghost is the understanding of God, all of those things. Remember, we talked a few weeks ago about Elohim. Understanding that Elohim is the multiplicity of God. It's not that God is multiples. God, hear you, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. God is one. But Elohim, the name Elohim that's given to God in Scripture, in the beginning God created. God Elohim created. It's the multiplicity of God. He was a burning bush. He, he, he was a tower of fire. He was a cloud. He, the, we call them theophanies today. That's, we, we, you know, we got our words because... That sounds more religious, doesn't it? A theophany is nothing more than the Elohim, how God showed up. God showed up in the flesh in Jesus Christ. Holy Ghost, the power of God, all one God that shows up. And, you know, it's like me. I showed up here today. You know what? When I showed up as a pastor, I'm still a husband, and I'm still a father, but I'm not three people. But I'm not going to husband you except for my wife, and I'm not going to father you except for my children, Right? Because I am manifesting myself as pastor to you. If I try to manifest myself as husband to you, you need to slap me. I give you permission. <laughs> only my wife gets that. Because I only have, yeah, punch. Yeah, Darren would punch me. He wouldn't slap me. Yeah. It's the same. It's, it, it, I have a multiplicity of who I am. But I'm not multiple people. And it's the same with Elohim. So Acts chapter 1 tells us that the Holy Ghost gives us power. We receive an access to the power, the revelation, and the wisdom of the Holy Ghost. And Ephesians 1, 17 through 20 tells us that. I'm going to try to get through this today, y'all. So write the scriptures down. Slow down. Okay. Right. 
yeah, I, I had an intent to get through this today, so maybe I need to just slow it down. John 16, 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Well, I thought that was the pastor's job to guide me into all truth. I thought that was mom and dad's job to guide me into all truth. I thought that was my Sunday school teacher's job. Nope. It's the spirit of truth, the Holy Ghost, that leads and guides you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So the Holy Ghost guides us. The Greek word actually means to show the way. When, when the Bible talks about the Holy Ghost leading and guiding us into all truth, that word guide in the Greek actually means to show the way. To show the way. Have you ever had a guide that didn't show you the way? I had a fishing guide one time that was going to put me on fish. He was going to show me the way to the fish. Never caught a thing. Never used him again either. Because he wasn't a good guide. A good guide would put me on fish somehow, some way. The Holy Ghost will never miss. The power of God will never miss. And as well, he shows us things to come. Things to come. Boy, that sounds a little twilight zone, doesn't it? God's going to show us things to come. Things are going to happen. Well, such as in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. So the Holy Ghost, through that Scripture, is showing us things to come. In the latter times, there are going to be people that depart from the faith. So when we think of things to come, yeah, let me, let me straighten this one out. Because there's a big deal going on in uh, the open Christian, I'm going to call it the open Christian movement. There's a big, yeah. <laughs> There's a big deal going on right now in, in the United States uh, where a person, I'm on, uh, I always pick on you, so I'll go with somebody else. I'll go to Jesse. Give you a break today, dear. That's, yeah, I, I've, I've got a word from the Lord for you. Okay? That's big. It goes on a lot. I know. I'm touching it. There's prophecy that's given by the Spirit. There are the gifts of the Spirit, and there's prophecy given by the Spirit. And so that's, that's considered a prophetic word. Here's the thing about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are given to men as the Spirit. As the Spirit gives the gift, that's when it happens. And when the gift is given, it never, ever edifies an individual, ever. It always edifies the entire body. Just look in 1 Corinthians, read verse, or chapter 12, just, just look. The purpose of the gifts of the Spirit, first you receive the gift of the Spirit, and then when you have the gift of the Spirit, there are gifts within the Spirit, and the purpose of those gifts is not to make you the prophet. And a big thing is going on in, in the movement, and God is really, God is really just uh, sifting this out, is that there are those that are going around and giving a word. Now, I know this is... I'm going to get into a whole deal here. There's a movement. I'm going to call the name of the movement. It might offend some of you. Uh, but there's a movement going No, it's not UPC. There's a movement that's going on, and the basis of that movement is, is that we have a word for you, and we have a word for this, and we have a, a word for that. But the problem with that is, is that in the Old Testament, the prophets called that soothsaying or fortune-telling. When someone came to the king and they weren't a prophet of God, they were a soothsayer or a fortune teller. Only the prophet of God was able to tell the king something. And it wasn't just for the king. 
When a king was told something in the Old Testament, it was for him and it was for his entire kingdom. Whatever happened to that king happened to the entire kingdom. You understand that? So in the New Testament church, understand this. Prophecy in the New Testament church is not for individuals. No one is, is, is uh, there's nowhere in, in, in the move of the Holy Ghost where we tell people their fortune. What, what, is a fortune what does a fortune teller do? You know, they were called fortune tellers in the beginning for a reason. F fortune. Get, crank it up here. Come on. Making money. That's what a fortune teller does. Making money. And so when a person comes to you and the whole point of them giving you a word is they're going to make something out of it. Oh, well, no, they're not, I'm not giving them any money. No, but you know what? Well, here's the deal. Sister so-and-so came to me and gave me a word. And, you know, I really believe it. And all of a sudden it's not about the Holy Ghost and Jesus. It's about sister so-and-so. I, I want you to understand something here. God is sifting this out of the church now because these type of things bring, bring glory and honor to man instead of glory and honor to God. And that's why when you study the gifts of the Spirit, you understand, because Paul writes expressively, because the Corinthian church had a big problem. They were throwing it out over here and throwing it out over there. Man, let's just shotgun it, and whatever happens and works, we're going to call it good. That's what they were doing. Because Paul came and said, some of y'all are prophesying in the church, but you're having sex with your mother-in-law. What's going on here? Now, I know that's straightforward, but that's what he said. You're acting, you're acting in the gifts of the Spirit, but then you're turning right around and you're doing, you know, these obscene things. Because he was trying to help them understand, listen, what you're doing is not correct. Both ways. Leave your mother-in-law alone and quit trying to be a singleized person that gets the glory. And so understand this about the Holy Ghost. God said this. He said, I'll, I will share my glory with no one. No angel, no, no devil, no human, no bird. No, not going to share his glory with anyone. So understand this. I don't know how I got on that. Maybe it's Jesse. The gifts of the Spirit edify the body. Edify the body of Jesus Christ. That's all of us together, collectively. One of us is a foot, the other one's a hand, the other one's an ear, the other one's an eye. Paul said it this way so we can understand it. He said, but listen, collectively, they are all the body. Collectively, all the body. And if part of the body hurts, the other part of the body helps. It's not that if you hurt, you know what, you're on your own, dude. I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry you're hurting, Jesse. You're on your own. No, no. If, 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 if there's something that God wants, to, it's going to be collectively so that the whole body, because if the eye hurts, the whole body hurts. You lose both of them and see what happens. If the, if the foot hurts, the whole body hurts. Because now you're limping. And now if you know medical, you, you understand. When you start limping, you start giving in, so you start going over here. So now you're going to damage over here. And now that you've damaged over here, now your back's going to hurt. You understand, that's what Paul was trying to say in Corinthians to explain to us, is that the body collectively all hurts together, all loves together, all heals together, all worships together, collectively as the body, not separate. That's why the gifts of the Spirit are for the body. So, in the ancient world, a seal was a legal signature. Uh, they all had different seals. You've, seen, you've probably seen them, you, like a movie or something, where they write a letter, lick it, fold it, and then they put the little wax seal on there. And, and that was a legal signature, attesting to ownership and validating what was actually sealed. That, that was the purpose of an Old Testament seal. And the Bible tells us that Ephesians 1, 13-14, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom after that ye believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
Notice he uses the word Holy Spirit, not Holy Ghost, because the seal is not about power. The, the seal is about authority. And so you're sealed with the holy authority of promise. The Holy Ghost is that Old Testament seal that's put on you by God that, you know what, I attest that, 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 he, that she's mine. He's mine. It validates what's inside the letter. And so understand this. That's another purpose of the Holy Ghost is to seal us. And here's the thing. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest. The word earnest here is a pledge or, or, or part of the purchase. Uh, you know, you've earnest money, you ever put money, earnest money down on property or anything like that? So you know you're not paying the whole thing at once, right? Earnest money doesn't mean you put up the whole 300000 That Most of us probably wouldn't have a, well, some of you would, but most of us wouldn't have a house because it's too much. So what the Holy Ghost is, is that it is the earnest or it is the pledge of God, the part or the purchase or property given in advance as the security deposit. The Holy Ghost is your security deposit. It's not that you don't have all the Holy Ghost. It's that you have the security deposit that rests upon you. What you do with all of the Holy Ghost is simply up to you. It's simply, you know, there's a lot of people that live in defeat in the church because they don't know what to do with the Holy Ghost. They've been sealed. They've got the earnest. They've got the whole thing. The letter's been signed. The bank's been notified. God's taking care of that. And listen, it's all taken care of in the end. Matter of fact, here's what God says. By the way, Mr. Banker, I've already paid the price. <laughs> They're not going to pay anything else. I mean, wouldn't you love somebody to come to you and say that about your house? Hey, somebody paid the price. You don't even have to pay. Quit sending us payments. We don't want, that's, somebody's already paid that. But you... But what that person did was they took part of that payment and they're giving it to you. That's what the earnest of the inheritance is, is that part of that payment that's been given to you. The whole thing is there. The whole thing is paid, but you're getting a part. Does that make sense? Not a part of the Holy Ghost, a part of the earnest. We'll, we'll talk about that just, just a little bit deeper in, here in a minute. And, and so it's, for an, it's, it's, it's the part of the inheritance until the, the, the Scripture says, until the redeem, the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. So, so we're given the Holy Ghost until he, we're, finally, we're finally there. Can we put it that way? We finally make it. The Holy Ghost is a deposit. It's a down payment from God, confirming the validity of your trust and belief in God. Romans 8, 26-27. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. So not only have we, I'm on number eight, y'all. I'm going to finish this. The Spirit help, helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for what we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession. The Greek word for intercession here means to, it, to intercede on behalf of. It's pretty simple. Intercede. So the Spirit intercedes in behalf of us, which cannot be uttered. There's things you cannot utter. It's not that you don't know how. You don't, it's that you don't know what. There are things that we utter to God in English, right? There, there are times when we're praying. We, we, we pray we, to God. But, you know, there comes a point in time. There are things in your spirit that you don't. You ever have tried to, has, you know, I had someone recently texted me. and said, listen, thank you for what you've done, blah, blah, blah. He said, listen, I don't have the words to tell you how I feel right now. So this person didn't have the words. To, they didn't know how to put it into. And that's what happens to us at times in spirit. We just don't have the words. 
It's not in English. We don't get it. We don't, how, God, how can I tell you? you know, how can I reach you? How can I ask you? We don't have the words. So what happens is, well, good old knees there. What happens is, the Spirit says, I know. I know exactly. And so I, I'm going to, well, is that someone talking to someone else? You understand it's Elohim. It's Elohim. It's not, a, it's not the Spirit over here talking to God over here. It's not the Son over here talking to Spirit over here. It's Elohim. And make it the intercession. The religious world, uh, Christ, Christian world, let's put it that way, the concept of the biggest part of the Christian world is that because Jesus is there on the right hand making intercession, that there's 8 billion people right here in, in, in the world right now. And so on the right side of God, God's a spirit didn't have a right side. On the right side of God, Jesus sat there going, all right, for Don this, and for Jesse this, and he's doing all this interceding. You understand that the interceding is from the cross. Intercession came available to us on the cross. Everything that, that's interceded by Jesus is simply what he did on the cross. That blood that was precious and pure now intercedes. It, it washes the sin away. It's not one talking to another. Number one, there's not a right hand for God. God's a spirit. He doesn't have a right, left, up, or down. Right hand in old and new means means the authority and power of. That's the term right hand means that. When I have the right hand of so-and-so business, means I have the authority of that business. And so it's not one talking to another. The intercession is all the, it's the Elohim. Again, I'm going to come back to this. Jesus was crucified from the foundations of the world. You understand that before the world was actually built, God threw up a cross and crucified Jesus. That didn't happen. You understand that, right? Please tell me you understand that. What that means is, in Elohim, what was going to happen several thousand years later has already transpired in the all-eternal God. It already transpired. It's already a done thing. And so in Elohim, the God, the one single God, when it, come, when it says Jesus was crucified from the foundations, it simply means that down the line that there is going to be an intercession for the sin of man is going to happen on the cross. Well, that's another lesson, so let me... I got a lot of other lessons, don't I? I'm building up some lessons here. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession. Again, uh, the word intercession here is a little different than the word we just read. It's a different Greek word. So the Greek word in verse 26 for intercession is different than the Greek word for verse 27 in, in Romans 8. Two different Greek words. The first one means to intercede on behalf of. Verse 27, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession. That word there means a chance to confer with, to entreat, or to deal with. So there's more action involved here. For the saints according to the will of God. During our times of need and weakness, we all have them. We all have them. The Holy Ghost lines us up with the will of God for the time. Does that make sense? The will of God for you in five months now is going to be different than the will of God for you now because you're going to be going through different things. And so what the Holy Ghost does is it lines you up through intercession with the will of God for that point in time in your life or what's going on in your life. Your life's going to change. Is that 
is that revolutionary to anybody? <laughs> your life's going to change. And every time your life changes, there is a design of the Holy Ghost to intercede for you in that change of life for you. Same spirit, but Romans chapter 8, verse 10 through 11. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, that word quicken means make alive, your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in us. We often refer that to the rapture of the church, don't we? If the Spirit of Christ dwells in him, you that raised him from the dead is going to raise you from the dead in that last day. We often reference, but that's not the reference here. The Bible says that before you come to God, you are dead in trespasses and sins. So that when the Holy Ghost comes, the Holy Ghost then quickens you into life. You're now a living soul. You understand, before you came to God, you were a dead soul, right? No, if you don't, we'll, we'll talk about that. That's another lesson. So, You're a dead soul. You're, you're dead in trespasses and sin. When you receive the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost then brings life into you, that you're now a living soul. Jason, Adam was like this. Just a big glob of dirt standing there. There was no life in him. But God breathed. That word breathe is pneuma. It's the same word for spirit, and he became a living soul. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you become a living soul. Now your soul's alive. Understand this. A dead soul and a living soul have one thing in common. Anybody want to take a wild guess? The dead soul and the living soul have one thing in common. Somebody, you don't want to shout it out? You want me to shout it out? They're both eternal. They're both eternal. A dead soul is just as eternal as a living soul. The Bible tells us in the last days that living souls will be part of Jesus' kingdom. But the dead souls, those that were dead in trespasses and sin, they will be part of the lake of fire. So understand, the soul is eternal, whether it's live or dead. It, it just becomes alive, and now we have the opportunity to spend our eternity with Jesus Christ as opposed to... Y'all are quiet today. Am I just talking too much too fast? Am I trying to get it all in? I got 11 minutes. The Holy Ghost gives you new life in this life. You have new life in this life. You're supposed to have your... Here's the best way to look at this. Let's do this. You are halfway resurrected. Your soul has been resurrected from the dead. It's brought from dead to life. What, is the, what does the word resurrection mean? Anybody? All right. I'm, say it again. Once dead, now alive. That's what a resurrection is, bringing something back to life that was dead. And so if your spirit, your soul was dead and brought it back to life, now you, the problem is our body hadn't caught up yet. There comes a point when he calls us home. And we will catch up and receive a new body. And so the, the resurrection is then completed. Now, here's the saying we don't, we, 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 do you know there's a resurrection of the lost? There's a resurrection of the dead, the lost in Revelation. It tells you they stand before God at a white throne judgment. They're just as resurrected as you are, with the exception of now only their body is resurrected. Their soul is not. Does that make sense? No? Yes? 
Okay. I'm trying to get a response out of y'all. Galatians 5 tells us when we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts that our, our, fle- our fresh flesh brings to us. That, that's not saying you don't have sin in your life. It says you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. There's a difference between the sin that happens in your life and ful- fulfilling. You know what fulfillment means? I had a dream. In that dream, I wanted to do this so bad. And so I did what I could to make it happen. That's fulfillment. So if you're filling the lusts of the flesh, you, there's something you want to do that's, that's of the flesh, and you want to do it so bad, you'll just make it happen. Whatever it takes, I'll just make it happen. That's fulfilling the lust of the flesh. There's, there's a difference between that and I don't want to use common sin because no such thing as common sin. But that's the difference between fulfilling the lust of the flesh is different than just sinful nature. We have a sinful nature that seeks after to fulfill the lusts. But we, because we have the Spirit of God, since I said that, let's read that again. When we walk in the Spirit, we will not do the fulfilling thing. It doesn't mean we don't have the sinful nature. It means that we won't do the fulfilling thing. We won't seek after those things if we're walking in the Spirit. We're sanctified by the Spirit, and the good fruit is a product of our sanctification. Understand, that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's a product of sanctification. It's not a proof of Christianity. A lot of people tell me, I'm a Christian. I've got all the fruit of the Spirit. I can take you downtown right now and take you to people that have fruit of the Spirit. They're no more a Christian than this thing here. Because those aren't proof of Christianity. That person has sanctified themselves within their own life by their own standard. The fruit of the Spirit in God is that He sanctifies your life by His standard. So there are people that have fruit of the Spirit. They have love, peace, joy, all those things that are no more Christian than, again, this. That's not the proof. I've had people tell, yeah, I know I'm a Christian because I love. I know I'm a Christian because I have joy. I know Those aren't proof. They're products of sanctification. The convicting power of the Spirit helps us to not indulge in the sinful acts of the flesh. So now we can, yeah, I'm going to do this. Operating in the Holy Ghost should bring love, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. Operating in the Holy Ghost edifies the church, the body of Jesus Christ. That's another thing people miss when they look at the fruit of the Spirit. The purpose of the fruit of the Spirit is to operate within the church so that there's a unity in the church. Without the fruit of the Spirit, there is no unity. Let me read them again. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. I'm glad you're long-suffering. That's good for me. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. So when we operate, it edifies, it builds the body. Operating in the Holy Ghost brings effective prayer. When you operate in the Holy Ghost, it brings effective prayer. Well, I pray every day. It's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. It's good that you pray. God bless you. Keep praying. But there's an effectual, fervent prayer. Effectual, fervent prayer. What does that mean, effectual, fervent? You've been fervent about something? Some of you are fervent cowboy fans. They can be 0-16, and you're the America's team. Yeah, whatever. Go down to Miami. You'll find America's team. Operating in the, in the Holy Ghost brings effective prayer. It sets your heart at liberty. There's a purpose in the Holy Ghost. It's to, it's to give you liberty in your heart, freedom. It makes Jesus more real in your life. 
You know, for some people, Jesus is only real on Sunday. Or when, more often than not, let's say that again, when they need him. Then Jesus gets real in their life. Otherwise, he's not real. What does that mean, real? What's the opposite of real? Fake. Well, there's no such thing as a fake Jesus, is there? So it only leaves one more left. That means I'm fake. If he's not real in my life every day, if the Holy Ghost is, if I'm not walking in the Holy Ghost every day, I'm a fake Christian. Jesus, didn't we do great things? Didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we do mighty works in your names? And Jesus said, depart from me. You were never real. You never knew me. I never knew you. You were never real. That's what Jesus said. You were pretending. You know, that's going to be the sad thing at the white throne judgment. The pretenders. I can't hear you. I never knew. K-N-E-W. That word comes from the Greek word. Also, it's relative and joints to the Hebrew word. When Adam knew his wife Eve and they conceived a son, that's the same word. Knew. It's not, a, it's not an acknowledgement up here. You can't. Okay, we're all adults in here. Uh, how do I do that? Yeah, it's an intimacy. I didn't think to my wife, let's have a child, and we had a child. All right, I'm, I'm, try, I'm not trying to be crude. Please don't. But let's be honest. That's what knowing God means. It's more than just, okay, we want to have a child. High five. Let's move on. Not going to happen. You have to become intimate. There has to be, there has to be action in what you want. And that's what no means no. And you can go through, all through Scripture, and you will find that it's relative all throughout the Bible. Knowing God is more than a physical acknowledgement, a mental, uh, okay, I believe in my mind. It's like people who pray in their mind but never speak a word. You understand the word pray means converse. Okay, I'm conversing with all of you right now. Answer the question. Answer the question that I'm asking you in my mind. You don't know it. It's why? Because I'm not conversing. I'm not praying with you. I'm not conversing with you. Prayer is a physical conversation you have with God. It's part of the intimacy. It's part of the intimacy. That's part of knowing. So operating in the Holy Ghost brings that effective prayer, sets your hearts at liberty, makes Jesus real. It gives you the power to be an effective witness. Pastor, I just have not been an effective witness. You know what that tells, Pastor? You need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost because when you have the Holy Ghost, it makes you effective. Now, effective witness may be that people down the street have seen you for 15 years live your life for God, and something happens in their life, and they know, you know what, I need to go talk to them. I've seen how they've lived, and you know what, they're at peace, something going on. It's like the guy, it's like the, the doctor that, that worked on Bishop. He was Muslim, or is Muslim, he still is. But every so often, he'll call Bishop, and he'll say, listen, I, I got a daughter that needs prayer, and I saw that when y'all pray, your God hears you. you know, we saw what happened, so I'm, I'm just asking you. Now, he doesn't tell that to his Muslim friends, because you know what they'll do to him. So he just keeps it quiet. But he'll call Bishop every now and then. He'll say, because t- Bishop will tell me, yeah, so Dr. So-and-so called. Yeah, he, uh, and he always says the same thing. I, I, I know your God hears you. I saw it. And so uh, understand that. That's effective witness. 
Your life is an effective witness. People don't care so much about what you say, but about how you live it. And it teaches us how to grow in God. When you operate by ego, this eternal guidance system called the Holy Ghost is stymied. When we operate out of ego, we stymie. You know, the Bible tells us not, not to do that to the Holy Ghost. You know, don't, but when we operate out, of, operate out of ego in our lives, then we stymie the Holy Ghost. Do you have that kind of power? Yes, you do. Because God gave you that kind of a authority over your own life to choose yes or no, right or wrong. He gave you that authority. He let, gave you that right and that will. You can choose what you want. And so when we quench the Spirit, that means that we stymie the Spirit, it's simply because we're normally acting out of our own ego. What do I mean by that? Because the Holy Ghost tells me I need to pray for Jesse today, but I don't want everybody to see me go do that. So, you know, because they may think, well, he thinks he's a big shot. And so, you know, ego, I'm stymied. God wanted to heal Jesse, and here I am because of my ego. Not only is Jesse hurt, I'm hurt. I mean, when you operate in the Spirit, ego goes to the ground. Can I say something about this? If you see a person in ego, they are not operating in the Holy Ghost. When their ego is above what's going on, when they have to be seen, boy, how can I say this? Come to Don Biddick's Healing Ministry uh, Festival Convention. What? It's not Don Biddick's Healing Festival Convention. And that's an ego thing. Huh? Buy, yeah. Buy my tapes and my books. No, you don't buy them. You give me a gift. Because if you buy them, i got to pay taxes. So, I'm going to call it what it is. Ego cannot be, no, no, no one can walk in ego and walk in spirit at the same time. And there's a lot, and I'm, you know, listen, y'all, I know y'all think I'm throwing rocks and stones. Maybe I am. Maybe I look at my own glass house. But understand something. When you, when you have people that, that the ministry is about their name, that's ego. You call it what you want, it's ego. It should, it should be the Jesus hour or the Jesus ministry special. Give to the work of Jesus. But no, it's always operating in the spirit means cooperating with the spirit. Co cooperating with the Spirit. So I finished it. It's time to step up. It's time for us to operate in the Spirit. A lot more we could talk about. I only went one minute over, so forgive me. There's a lot more to the Holy Ghost, but just, just, just kind of let these things sink in as to what we want to do. If I was abrupt or if I was, you know, if I crossed your, you know, your deal on certain people on television or whatever, I, that's not the intent. That's not the intent. The intent is to understand what the truth is. That's the intent. Well, how do you, you know, listen, truth comes by spirit. It only comes by spirit. So, God bless you. Let's take a little break before we have worship. In spite of Jesse, I finished it. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.